Acts chapter number 5. You find your place there, just say amen real loud. Amen. Amen. That was okay. Let me do that one more time. You find your place, say amen. 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 That's a little bit better. Amen. We'll get livened up here in a minute. Amen. It is good to be here tonight. Uh, Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 40 through chapter number 6 and verse number 3. Where will Lord willing be tonight? The Bible said this in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The Bible said, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. So in our last study tonight, we began looking at a lot of things that was going on in the days of the apostles. And we saw how that the apostles had been spreading around the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that they had been doing what God had been them to do. So they were preaching and they were teaching tonight the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the thing that's amazing about all this tonight is that the leaders of the religion of those days had told them to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. But as we have said many times before, stop is not what they done. They determined in their hearts tonight that no matter what happened to them and no matter what the devil threw their way, they were going to keep on going on for Christ. And may I say to you tonight, no matter what the world throws at you and I tonight, uh, no matter what college said or what a college professor says, no matter what the government says, no matter what the high school teacher says, may I say to you tonight, we need to carry on for the Lord Jesus Christ. The world does not like you and I tonight, alright? But it don't matter what the world thinks tonight because what matters is what God thinks about us. And that is what all the apostles were worried about as well. So in our last study, we began reading verse 32, and we look where the Bible said, and we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Now, we know that the religious rulers of this time did not want to hear any more about Jesus. We know tonight they were sick and tired of hearing about this man who had came and died for them. Now, you and I can't imagine why the world would get tired of hearing about Lord Jesus Christ. You know, friend, His name is above every name. I mean, He set us free from the pits of hell. But the world does not want to hear about Jesus. And these rulers did not want to hear about Him either. They wanted the apostles killed tonight. But even though 
uh, the apostles knew that they may have to die for spreading the gospel of Christ. We know tonight they would not stop and they kept going. They didn't care if it cost them their life because they knew what waited on the other side. They had been given good news to give and they were going to spread it to a lost and a dying world that was on their way to hell. And the good news is tonight is that Jesus Christ is alive and that He's well. Boy, the lost of our day think it's a fairy tale. But I'm telling you tonight, Jesus lives and He's not dead. He is a risen Savior and He's on the right hand of God interceding for you and for me tonight. Amen, friend. Jesus Christ went down to hell and guess what He done while He was there? Amen. He got the keys of hell and He waited in the devil's place and He said, one day, buddy, you're going to your home never to be loose again. Oh, what a good when victory is ours for the taking. May I say to you tonight, Jesus lives. Jesus lives. And He'll never die. Amen. So we see in our text, it is their witness that's good enough for me. Is it good enough for you? I mean, by faith, we believe what these men saw. We believe that they seen Jesus and they talked with Him for 40 days before He went to be with the Father. They saw Him as He died on the cross for you and for me. And they seen Him rise again. Oh, what a blessing tonight. Their witness is good enough. Is it good enough for you? Amen. So, the Sanhedrin Council though, it wasn't good enough for them. They wanted to stop the Gospel of Christ. They said they were witnesses, the apostles did. And then we read verse 33, the Bible said this. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. The religious rulers of this time had now heard that Jesus had died for their sin on the old rugged cross. Uh, They were told that the blood of Jesus was on their hands. They were told that they were guilty for shedding the blood of Christ. But they were also told the good news that if they would repent and fall on their knees, they could be saved. It cut them so to the heart that now instead, uh, I mean, convention had rolled in and instead of them getting right, they got mad. And they got upset. And they wanted these men killed tonight for doing what you and I are simply doing in this building tonight. When they heard that they're cut to the heart, they would not get right. Now just think tonight though of this. I want you to think about it. What if the apostles had stopped? What if they had just said, okay, they're going to kill us. We're just going to quit. Would you and I be here tonight? Don't know. Something to think about. But because they would not quit, here you and I are tonight sitting in a church with heat and with air that we complain about most of the time and brother david does the best that he can with it but here we are tonight in a comfortable building padded pews and notice that the gospel don't spread like at one time did it spread here they were being persecuted Friend, thank God for the men of god who went on and carried the torch of the gospel so you and i can have the freedom that we have in our day to have church. Amen. There ain't nobody knocking on the door tonight telling us to quit. There ain't nobody coming in and whooping me. There was a man in history, I can't remember his name right now, 
but they beat him to a pull outside the building. And he come back in and raised his hand and preached the gospel of Christ again. What was his name, Brother Wes? Yeah, I can't remember either. Anyway, we'll look it up and I'll tell you next week. Oh, maybe it was Obadiah Holmes. I think you're right. And when they got arrested, right? And he kept preaching out of the jail cell window? Yeah, that's the young Obadiah Holmes. Amen. So he's beaten and then he come back in to his to his congregation and he preached again. Amen. So we read all this tonight. But now let's, we also read verse 34 through 39. The Bible said this. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth little space. And said to them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thutis, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say to you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For this counsel or if this work be of men, it'll come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest haply you be found even to fight against God. Now as these men tonight have been thrown in jail. They have suffered for the name of Christ. We see that they had been delivered many times in our text. Now tonight we've seen in our last study that they were delivered again there. But it was God who was working this out for their good. And this is amazing tonight. This Pharisee had now set them free. Ain't that amazing what God can do? So we saw that in our last study. But now let's read again verse number 40 tonight. And let's get back into the text. The Bible said this, And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now this Sanhedrin council tonight had agreed with Gamaliel. And then the apostles were beaten and then they were let go. Here we see they were beaten for the sake of the gospel of Christ. Now you and I have the freedom in our day to come to the house of God and worship. It is not a have to. It is a privilege that we get to enjoy in America today because of some men like these apostles that have stood through the day. And all they were doing was trying to spread the good news that you and I are spreading tonight. Well, this council thought these men were wicked. All right? So they done what the law said to do. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 25, verses 2 through 3. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face, according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him and not exceed, lest if he should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. So they obviously tonight forgot the next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4. The Bible said, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth, 
out the court. They forgot that verse and threw it out and they said we're going to beat these men because we don't agree with what they're saying. God's men were putting out the corn tonight the sake of the Word of God and the name of Christ. But they had been beaten now and told again to go and not speak in the name of Jesus. Time after time after time they were threatened. And it was these men, what they'd done after they'd beaten is what's amazing. Look verse 41 through verse 42. The Bible said, And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now, the man before this took place named Gamaliel, he made this statement. He said, If this be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. And we know tonight that overthrow it they could not. The apostles had been beaten. They had been threatened tonight. But the more that the religious rulers tried to get them to stop, the more that the gospel would spread and spread and spread. Friend, I believe that over and over in their minds, they came to say what they said earlier. We'd rather obey God than obey man. They continued on to teach in the name of Jesus. And when they were beaten for the name of Christ, they didn't question it. They didn't get mad about it. They didn't cry and say, oh me, little oh me. No, they rejoiced. They rejoiced about that. Friend, they were probably there when Jesus Christ taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Where the Bible said in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. They went on rejoicing because they can now suffer for the one who suffered for them. Oh, friend, the next time that somebody makes fun of you for coming to God's house, and the next time that somebody uh, calls you a Bible thumper, and the next time that somebody says that you may not be a, a, a what, what's the word? I don't know, literal enough for them. I tell you what you can say. You can say, I'd rather obey God than man tonight. The, and then you know what you can do? You can go home and shout the house down and rejoice to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ who suffered for us tonight so we can sit in a building and know where we're going tonight and come in and worship Him. Hey friend, the least we can do tonight is just say, thank you Lord for our allowed me to suffer a little bit for your name. That's what the apostles done, right? It was the least they could do. That's the least we can do. I mean, friend, it was Jesus Christ who died for me and for you tonight. I mean, He took the beatings for us. He was beaten to a bloody pulp so bad we wouldn't have knew what He looked like on Calvary. Wouldn't have even uh, recognized who He was. And then we think that we suffer just a little bit to have to wake up on Sunday morning and come to church on Wednesday night. That is nothing compared to what Jesus done for us. Oh, friend. I'll get off my soapbox now. So, here are these men in our text. They're doing what God had called them to do in this life, and they were not going to let man stop them tonight. Boy, the church ought not to let man stop them tonight. A man came up to me at work today, and he said, I went to a church, and I got out of it. And I said, well, okay. He said, here's the deal. He said, one family in the church, or two families in the church have so much money that he won't preach against nothing they do. 
Man, I'm telling you, it was the truth. Daniel Lawrence took a, a made a sock puppet one time, and I thought, what are you doing? And he come to the church and he preached where I was at at the time. And he said, this is just like so many preachers of our time. Somebody has their hand shoved so far up their right hand. He's making them say what they want to say. And I thought, go ahead and preach, brother. You're all right. Is that not true in our day? Friend, the day you can buy a preacher off is the day he needs to step down and get out of there. All right. Anyhow, listen. They had been kicked out of the temple uh, here in our text, but now here they go again. The Bible says in verse 42, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Even when the world was on their shoulders and on their backs tonight, and when there were people the land that wanted them to hush and wanted to kill them and wanted them to quit, we find them back in the temple where they had been kicked out of so many times, and here they are doing it again for the glory of Christ. Friend, I'm telling you, in this crazy world which we live, we shouldn't quit on God either. There's too many folks that are laying down and that are stopping and that are falling off the bandwagon. We don't need to fall off the bandwagon. We need to keep going for Christ. Seen something on Facebook the other day, or my wife did, a couple that used to go to our home church. And now they're out drinking. Folks are quitting. Preachers, men of God, have stepped out and said that I don't want to preach anymore. Boy, we don't need to quit. We need to keep going. He didn't quit, he didn't quit on us. He kept going up Calvary's Hill, didn't he? Every mile of every way. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They beat him. And he kept carrying that cross. He went down to a devil's hell. And he went there and he got the case. And one of these days, he's going to bring them back and lock the devil and the Antichrist in hell. And they'll never be loosed again. Oh, we should be like the apostles and not stop because victory is ours for the taking. Why in the world? I mean, if we were playing a basketball game, uh, Alyssa... And, and we got there, we were just blowing them out. We quit. No. We wouldn't stop. We'd say, let's add to the herd. Okay, man, let's add their pain a little bit. Hey, we wouldn't stop. Boy, victory's iron. Why would we quit? We're on the done one side, and half of the done one side went done quit. That's sad, ain't it? Friend, we see this. Now let's see what happens here in chapter number 6 as they teach and preach Jesus. Now get a hold of this. The Bible said in chapter 6 and verse number 1, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now I'm slowing down just a little bit tonight. So we see that now because the apostles kept going, the good news is... They kept growing. Amen. We see that not only did the number of people being saved not stop, the number of the disciples grew. We see that. So God was calling more people to do the work and the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Now we see that right when God was working though, here comes the devil again. Amen. We've seen him with Ananias and Sapphira. He come in and now he comes in again. So the devil couldn't stop the work from without the church from outside the four walls, and he comes and he tries to break it up inside this church again. Now get a hold of this. And I hate to say this, but we can tell by the churches of our day the devil's done a good job 
at causing people to want to split inside the church. You say, preacher, you ought not say that. How come when we drive down the road, there is so many churches that we pass by. I tell you what's happened, people can't get along. They've split and they've went down the road and they've started another church. Now, even though the church was growing, I'd, I'd love to see this church grow. I think it'd be the heart of all of us, wouldn't it? I would in God's time. But the, with more people comes more problems. Now, you tell me that I'm wrong. With more people comes more problems, right? Some of you visitors looking at me like, is he talking about me? Look, I'm not talking about you. I want you to keep coming, all right? But I'm, I'm just saying that. But we know that it's God who can help us make it through the problems, all right? So as soon as the church was growing, now there was murmuring. Just like in the days of Moses, they wandered around the wilderness and everybody started complaining. Well, it don't take long to find somebody complaining, does it? Amen. Well, just like there was murmuring people then, there's murmuring people now. In our day, and you can say, oh me, or amen, whatever you need to say right there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a murmurer. Do you? I want to be a servant. Alright, let's look down this verse. The Bible said, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the day of administration. Now, history tells us that these two Jewish parties had always been at each other's throat. And now their disagreements are brought into the church. I always use this illustration, but it'd be like this side against this side all the time. And I know y'all ain't against each other, and I hope you ain't at least. And if you are, then just get it fixed up and we'll have church. Amen. And so history tells us that they were at each other's throats. Now they're in, in their church. Now this could lead to a lot of things happening in this church. But I love how it was handled. Look at this. I mean, this could have led to a fight like the Hatfield and McCoys, but it didn't. Amen. Look what happened. So, here we see that there were some men who knew the devil and his tactics. Now, that's what we need in our day. Are some people who can see the devil and his tactics, notice that, and just move on. Amen. So, he tries to divide the church in our day. And we've got to catch him before he does that. So, all right. We see that this complaint takes place. Now let's look at the leaders here and see what they decide to do. These people were saying that the money's not going to the right place, basically. Now look at something else. Let's read verse 2 and 3. The Bible said, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, here we have something new take place in the Word of God. We see the first business meeting of the church. Alright? So, the people said the money wasn't going where it was supposed to. This is God's money in our text, right? So it needs to go to the right place. Amen. Does God's money still need to go to the right place? Alright, so it just so happens God had the right people in the right place to do the right thing. Now, look at these verses. The Bible said, it is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. This was the apostles, the disciples here. So it was up to this point in time, the apostles would take care of the money of the church and take care of the business of the church. And I want to say this, the church is quote-unquote a business. 
It is. This is not our business. It's God's business. It's God's house. Every every bit of money is God's money. Alright? So we know that. You say, preacher, don't preach on money. Well, I've, I've got to cover this. Amen? So just bear with me. So, but up to this point in time, the apostles would take care of the money in the church. They were taking care of the business of the church. But it's here in our text, something else begins to happen. And not only that, but up to this point, the apostles took care of it all. So, the church was growing and growing and growing. There was 12 apostles that, and there was more that was multiplied. But it was getting too much for the apostles to bear on their own. Amen. So not only would they have to pray, not only would they study the Word of God, not only would they go help the people, uh, maybe counsel with the people, but they would administer food, they would administer clothing, and they'd take care of other necessities as well. All while they're trying to pray and study and preach the Word of God. Alright, you've got to remember, people are selling their goods at this time in our text. They're bringing this money in, and they're laying that money at the apostles' feet for them to take care of. That was the way it was done up to this point in our text. We're going somewhere with this, just hold on. Uh, look, the Bible said this in Acts 34 through 35. The Bible said, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So we see how it was handled before. They would sell their possessions, bring it down, lay it at those apostles' feet who were trying to pray and study and preach, and then they would have to distribute it out. Now you think about it just for a minute. That would take away from their time to pray and to study and to teach, and they kept doing this until this point in our time. So that's the way it was handled before this. But now, it was this twelve who realized that if they were going to make sure this money's going the right place, they're going to need some help. Right? They had been called to preach the gospel of Christ, minister to the people, and so we see that now they were also calling to be relieved of some of these other duties that were put on them. May I say to you that this church is not like this, but there are churches that put way too on the pastor. The pastor cannot do it all. Somebody help me. The deacons cannot do it all. Somebody help me. I have seen pastors work themselves to death and, and, and then they would they would work around the church and I'm thankful I'm not a carpenter. Amen. But I have seen pastors work and work and work and then counsel with people, then study for a message and then pray and then go to pocket, come back, do work on the church, go to it all again, work a secular job and they are wore out and most of the time they quit. That's what happens. So, here we see that there's two people working together. Now the people had needs tonight. People have needs in our day. Am I right? It was the apostles who had been called to help the people with those spiritual needs. All right, But in order to do that, they were going to need somebody to handle the business side of things. Alright? I'm slowing down. And while I'm at it, this does not mean the deacons or the pastor... And, and all that, okay? It, it, it never says that in the text. But what's going on in our text was that all the group was working together and then there were deacons who were uh, called and they were called to serve. Amen. Alright, to be a help. Is that right? Amen. You deacons, help me out, please. Amen. Deacons are called to serve and to be a help. Am I right? Amen. 
Amen. So we see that. Now look at these verses the Bible says. It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Well, tables in our text refers to the place where the money was counted. The end where the money was distributed. All right, and brought into the treasury. There was one place in the Word of God where the money was not done right. And you can see that. And they made God's house a house of merchandise. All right, what happened then? The Bible said in Matthew 21, 12 through 13, and Jesus went to the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said to them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Jesus Christ got a whip and drove them out of the temple. All right. So money is to be handled the correct way. All right. So there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And it was up to these appointed men in our text now to make sure that it went to the right place and it was not God's men. It's not that they didn't have no say so or anything like that. But this was done so the men of God could continue in ministering the Word of God to the people there. It was all working together for one cause and for one purpose for the ministry and so that folks can be saved and get the spiritual help they need. We see that. Now look at, look at these verses as well at the word leave. Now, it was not reason that the twelve should leave the Word of God. We know what the word leave means. It means to forsake or abandon, which is what a lot of people are doing this day and in this time. May I say to you tonight, if, if any man of God, including self, has any grain about them whatsoever, He'll not be a man of opinion. He'll be a man of the Word. I have heard people preach and say, I, 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 I. Listen, I don't matter. Jesus matters, okay? So what this shows us tonight was the men of God's time was to be taken up with a study of the Word of God. Not the secondary matters of the business of the church. That would cause them to forsake their first line of duty that they've been called to do and they've been called to preach the Word. Alright, their commission given in Matthew 28, 19-20, the Bible said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and after they get saved, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus told His disciples that. So we see that they appointed men now to be over the business part. Are y'all with me in our text tonight? To be over the business part so the men of God could study and preach God's Word and minister to the needs of the people. Boy, may I say to you tonight that we have come a long cry away from the way things need to be done. Maybe not here, but in other places. It happens a lot. So, that was their first responsibility. Here's what they've done in verse number 3. The Bible said there, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business. Now, we see that these seven men in our text are chosen by the assembly. Right? The assembly chose them. They were entrusted with the money that was brought in. I am sick and tired of hearing people that hardly ever go to church and then they complain when the offering plate comes around. That drives me crazy. Listen, that offering plate pays the bills, keeps the lights on here, hey, keeps up the work of the church, 
allows the ministry to keep going on and to be a help to people when they need it. That's what it's for. And they're... I don't even know what to say. They're, they're jacklegs who think that you don't even... They say, why do you even need to take up an offering for... Listen, I could go on and on and on about that. I'm not going to, okay? They were entrusted with the business side of things and just because there were seven of them... I've heard this. It does not mean that you have to have seven of them, all right? There were seven men appointed for how many thousands of people here in our text? There's churches I know of, they say, well, we have to have seven because the Bible said that. The Bible didn't tell you to have seven. It just said they had seven. All right? So I know the Bible don't specify this right here, but I believe tonight these were the first deacons in the Word of God. Now, they were not to have power over what was preached. They were not to hold money over the pastor's head. If you do this, then I'll give you this. That ain't the way it works. Amen. God tells man of God what to preach, and he's to preach it regardless of, of anything. All right. But they were there to help so those men of God could study the word and so they could preach. All right. It's the same principle we find in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. The Bible says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Why do you take up an offering, preacher? The Bible said, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you... He didn't leave nobody out, did he? Every one of you. Oh my, well that means everybody. Amen. That, I mean, I'm dumb. That, that makes plenty of sense. Okay, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they should go with me. These men that they would choose would bring money to those who were less fortunate in those days. And this wasn't the job of the apostles. This was the job of those men that were chosen. And to be chosen as a deacon tonight, I want to say this, is a great responsibility. To be chosen as a pastor is a great responsibility. It's not to be taken lightly. And as a matter of fact, Paul tells young Timothy about the qualifications of being a pastor. The Bible said this in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2 through 13. That's a lot of reading, but I'm going to give you this. A bishop then must be blameless. Here's one makes everybody mad. The husband of one wife. It does not mean that you get a divorce. And go find you another wife and say, well, I've still got one. That's not how it works. The husband of one wife. If you are divorced, you are not a husband. It's time to step down. That's the qualification of the man of God. That's what the Bible said. Alright? A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one, one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler. I can't fight, not covetous, we don't uh, do what we do for money. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, he can't be once just gotten saved, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise must the deacons. 
Likewise what? Everything that was just said to the pastor. Likewise must the deacons be great, not double-tongued, not giving to much wine, not greedy, filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Do you remember when we had Brother Shane as a deacon? We set him aside and we washed his lap and we proved him. Amen? Or, or, yeah. Let's just go with that. And the Bible said, let these first also be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now, the Bible said, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, when you look at the qualifications of the pastor and of the deacon, you see those qualifications are pretty much the same, except the Bible never tells the deacon that he can't be a brawler. You know why? Because when somebody passes the preacher, the deacons can pass the I'm kidding, okay? I'm just joking. I'm just picking. So in all seriousness, in all these qualifications, if a man were not to meet any of those, pastor and deacon, the best thing he can do for God and that church is step down. And that is not popular, but it is correct. Alright, being a deacon is a serious thing. Being a pastor is a serious thing because we will give an account for all the things we've done to God's house while we were here. Pastor will give the biggest account. The Bible also said there in 1 Timothy 3 and 13, I like this right here, for they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves a good degree and great bonus in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. I want to say this tonight, if you are using the office of a deacon well, how great will it be to hear Jesus say, well done, thou good, and faithful servant. You say, preacher, I'm not using the office well. Well, guess what? Sometimes we just have to get right and start using it right again. As far as I can tell, God has given this church some great deacons. And I know the only good thing about you men is the only good thing about me, and it ain't our looks. It's that Jesus lives in here. That's the only good thing about any of us. As your pastor, I do want to say this tonight. God's given this church some men that'll help, that'll be over the business, so that allows me to be able to study and preach God's Word. And I ain't much at it, but God has some deacons that'll help do that. God's allowed me to preach, and I don't have to worry about what Brother J.R. is going to teach about. I don't have to worry about if it's going to be right. I don't have to worry. That's, that is the hill of a deacon. And he's not here tonight, so I commend him. Uh, I w- we were at a church one time, and a deacon used a new King James Bible. And I didn't say anything. I shouldn't have to worry about it. Not from me. And tonight here, we don't have that problem. Thank the Lord. So, we see tonight that I don't have to worry about Brother David. Because he's going to take up the offering. And you know what I don't have to worry about him doing? Sticking his hand in there and getting something out for himself. Amen. Brother and then we have Miss Joy, his wife. Guess what? She's qualified. 
They're both qualified. We don't have to worry about that. Amen. That's a blessing tonight. And then you know what? Her and Miss Brady, they count the offering. Do you know why two do that? Because one can make a mistake. And when you got two, if it works out better that way, it's not two or, or one against the church, it's two. Then they're just overseeing what each other does. There's two hands. That's better. Friend, I'm glad we got Brother Shane as a deacon. He'll help me any way he can. I've called on Brother Shane many times and he's helped me. And then he's picked on me a little bit too. But it's alright. I like it and I need it. Why, preacher? So I can preach to the best of what little ability I have. And so I can try to be a help. Friend, without these men, we would not be able to do what we do as a church. I think the deacons are some of the most overlooked in our day and in our time. And before we close out, I want to say tonight, deacons, I'm not running for office, president, or anything like that, but I want you to know that I appreciate you tonight. Y'all mean the world to me. And tonight I'm going to close out a little different tonight. But if you will, let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. I am done.